0: Uh, Last week, I spoke about the hidden story of Yaakov and Esau, which is a fascinating look at how the Torah certainly should be learned. And we begin to see that when you learn the Torah that way, which means the hidden or the covert story, uh, it answers many questions, you know, and and I'm trying to show as an example, you know, how one can learn the Torah using the story of Yaakov and Esau. So I wish to continue that approach, to give you an incredible understanding and appreciation of how deep the Torah is, because it expresses a whole different story at a different level, using the exact same verses, of which is astounding. Anyway, before I begin, this year should be a merit for the health and success of the families of uh, Regina Bas Yosef Uvein and Yishai Ben Yisrael Ben Yom and Wolf Ben Yitzch Ben Tzvi and Boruch Ben Ben Yom and Wolf. Okay, <clears throat> so last week I had ended. Why did Yitzchok love Esav? In fact, the Torah says that the so Yitzchok Oh and he loved Esav. And the answer is not because he especially, you know, had a preference for Esav. But the Zohar says that, uh, you know, uh, a, 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 a like, like loves its kind, you see. So we know that the Avedah, the work of Yitzhok, was Gevurah, right? Was Gevurah. And the job of Esav, right, being one half of Tveris, which if you remember was the left side, that was Gevurah. Strength or might. And the job of Asaph was to subdue the sutton, as I mentioned. His neshama was tied to the sutton, right? And that's why he had this incredible tendency of sinning, because that's what he was supposed to do. Not sin, but destroy the sutton by not sinning. You know, in other words, withholding the temptation, and not sinning. And then he would have depleted the sutton of all the holiness that the certain gathers from the sins. Uh, In any case, so therefore Yitzchak loved Esau, because Esau was just like, right, his job was just like the job of Yitzchak, except the job of Yitzchak was might, in terms of building himself, not that he has to go out and subdue evil, but he has to subdue evil in himself, the devourah. You see, like it says in the in the Perkyovas, Azer Gibeor, who is considered a strong man, a somebody who subdues, prevails over, is Yitzhara. That's internal, right? So that was Yitzchak's job, to work on himself, not to go out. That was Avram, and Esav, of course, was an ishade. He went out. Because he had to go out into the world and subdue evil. How? By not falling into evil. Even though it had such a tremendous Yitzchak on him, as we see. Therefore, Yitzchak loved Esau. You see? Same job. Or very similar jobs. Right? Okay. So that is why Yitzchak loved Esau and so on. Not that he didn't love Yaakov. Of course he did. But, you know, as they say, birds of a feather flock together because they're the same. So they have this commonality, camaraderie, and so on. So they tend to flock together with birds of the same kind. Anyway, we now come to the sale. The sale by Esau of his firstborn status to Yaakov Avinu. Now, it's very difficult to understand. Why? I mean, we know the story, you know, I'm not really repeating the story, but, you know, where Esau where came from the field, and he's wiped, right? And he says to Yaakov, you know, I'm really tired, and I see that you're making lentil, a dish of lentils, red lentils. Please give me the lentils. I'm starving, you see? So Yaakov says, okay, I'll give you the lentil soup, or whatever it was, the bowl of lentils. Right, on one condition, you sell me your firstborn status. That's what he tells Esav. So Esav does that. He says, "Okay, I sell you my firstborn status." Right, and Yaakov gives him the bowl, and Esav eats it. Fine. Now people wonder at this. They say, "What's going on here? Uh, How could a brother do this to another brother?" What is this? Everybody, everything is money? Of course the anti-Semites point to this. And they say, well, they're the Jews again. You know, it's all about money. Cash. Right? That's what they say. But of course that's absurd. So the question is, why did he? Why did he sell? Or rather, why did he give lentils for Esau's birthright? I mean, that was a sale. Why? Doesn't a brother love a brother? where the brother would say, Yaakov would say to Esau, of course, if you want the lentils, of course I'll give you the lentils. You see? Because brothers loves the brother. I mean, this question is elementary. I mean, any kid should come up with this question. Got it? Uh, so that's a very, very difficult question to answer. In other words, what the question really is, is what in the world is going on here? Uh, so there's certain ideas you need to know. And you will see how profound this sale was, how how necessary it was. In fact, if Yaakov did not sell, or rather give the lentils for the bowl, you know, the the, the lentils for the birthright of Esav, he could have destroyed the world. Esav would have destroyed the world. Now you look at me and say, what? What in the world does that mean? Okay, first of all, why was he making these lentils? Because Avram Avinu died. He had died that week, and Yitzchak was sitting shiva. And the minoges, the tradition is, is that, you know, somebody's sitting shiva, so you make food for the mourner. And he was making lentils for Yitzchak, his father. Like I said, because Avram Avinu died. And by the way, they were both 15 years old at that point. Remember, they were twins. And they had just turned 15. So therefore, that's what happened that week. You see? So Asaph comes from the field, and the Medrash says, having committed five grievous sins. Yeah, that's who Asaph was, if I remember from last year, right? That Asaph was an of. But he went out and committed five terrible sins. One of them, which was to kill Nimrod. Right, he killed them. Other things is where he took men's wives, right, and he wanted to relate with them. He did a whole bunch of things, really bad stuff. And that's why he came back. He was tired from committing all those sins, you see. And this was in the week that Avraham Avinu died, you see. So anyway, Yaakov was preparing those rentals, you see. Uh-huh. So uh, ASef was tired, and he said, uh, "Let me have the lentils." So Yaakov realized this, and this is very important. Remember who AsF was. AASF was a patriarch. The soul of a patriarch is enormous. If a patriarch does a mitzvah, he brings down an incredible amount of divine energy, <clears throat> divine light. if he does a mitzvah, if he sins, right, he gives an enormous amount of that to the sultan, because he has an incredible neshama, right, the greater the neshama, the greater is the power over good, or the power of evil, you see, now Aser is enough, right, so could you imagine having committed five sins like that, right, could you imagine the amount of uh, y- yinika, which is nourishment that the sultan had because of the sins of an of. He's not some regular guy. He's got the soul of a patriarch. You see? So could you imagine what Yaakov you know, fe- feels? That Asaph, if he keeps sinning, because he has the power of tikon, rectification, he also has the power of kilku, right? Damage. So what Asaph was doing was with damaging the creation by an of, sinning. I mean, we don't realize what that means. But that's basically what it is. Here's Esav that has the power of Kilko damage because he's an of. So if Esav damages because he sins, can you imagine the destruction of the Bria, of the creation, and how much energy he gives to the Sutton? Terrible. So Yaakov realized something which is very important. He said, listen, Esau is going to destroy us because he's that powerful. He's not a, real, a, a mere you know, mere, uh, you know, guy. No, he's an of, you see. Therefore, Yaakov said to himself, I must take away the ability of Esau to sin. How? Now, what is the birthright status? Uh, in every family, you know, in our families, the Koyen has the status of the high, of the priest. But before the Kohanim, you know, uh, got it, and uh, right, it was supposed to be the B'chirim, the firstborn, they had the status of being the high priest of that family. I mean, the spiritual, uh, you know, trajectory of, of, of uh, the Mitzvah's spirituality was the firstborn. That was until the golden calf. Therefore, Esau is the firstborn. So the spiritual direction of the family, of the children, is Esau's job, you see. So that's a very important idea, which gives Esau even greater power to damage creation, because he's the firstborn. So Yaakov Arino realized, wow, I have to get rid of the ability of Esau to do the tikkun, Right? Now we can begin to understand what Yaakov was going through, right? And Yaakov realized this guy is an unbelievable sin sinner. And we could see that from two different proofs. One, Yaakov says a very strange statement. He says, you know, right? He says to, to Esau that I wanted to uh, uh, give you that, right, for money. This is what Yaakov Avinu says. Because he wants Esau to sell it. He doesn't want to give Esau the lentils for free. No. He wants Esau to sell his firstborn rights, So Esau would lose the ability to do tikkun. That's why he wanted to buy it. Because he wanted it to be a sale. You see. So Yaakov Avinu makes a statement. Very strange. He says. Michro. Look in the chumash. Michro. Sell me. Kayoim. As this day as your firstborn status, to me. Now it should have said, "Please sell me your birthright status." What does it mean, "sell me as today, as today your birthright status"? What's that supposed to mean? But here's we see where the Torah, in one word, describes the whole event. Because why did Yaakov want to buy the firstborn status of Esav? to take away his ability to do the tikkun in order to save the planet because an of can destroy the planet that's how great his neshama is you see, especially when we begin to realize that the job of Esau is the forerunner of Mashiach ben Yosef whose job is to conquer evil and destroy it so Esau actually has the job as a forerunner of Mashiach ben Yosef what are we looking at here, right? So, so Yaakov says, I'm going to reveal. The Torah reveals his motive. Because Yaakov says, sell me today. What do you mean sell me today? It should just say, sell me your firstborn status to me. I'm uh, fine. So what does it mean, sell me today? Obviously it's today. And the answer is because today, Yitzhak was sitting shiva to Avraham Avram Avinu died right that week. Uh, The question is why. Avram Avinu was supposed to live to 180 years, just like Yitzchak. Instead, he lived to 175 years. Five years were denied Avram Avinu. Why? Because God said to Avram, "You will die, but savor in a good old age," which means that you will not see Tsarus. So therefore, if that day was when asaph went public with his sins so if avromavino would have lived then and another 5 years right then he would have seen, seen the terrible life that asaph was doing that would have caused avromavino unbelievable pain to see his grandson right sinning and destroying creation so what god did is he spared avromavino that sight and he says, I will take him five years before he was supposed to die. Instead of 180, 175. So he does not see the evil of Esav and be incredibly grieved. Because that's what would have happened to Avram. Because it's not just that grandson's sins. It's the power of Esav to destroy the Bria. You see. Ah, so therefore God took Avram Avinu five years earlier than he should have lived. He should have lived 180. You see? Now think about this. Every day in the life of an of is spectacular. It's unbelievable. What he brings down, the unbelievable divine light and energy, the Kedusha, is unbelievable. Every day, because every day he worships and serves God. So could you imagine the damage that Asaph did because God had to take Avram Avinu five years earlier that means this creation was denied five years of unbelievable avidah, the job, the spiritual job of Avraham And that's what Yaakov was saying. You see, sell me this day, because this day when you sinned, we see why God took Avraham Avinu. And therefore denied creation an unbelievable tikkun because of the work, the spiritual labor of Avraham so the Torah reveals in one word, it's astounding, the whole motive of why Yaakov had to acquire the birthright of Esav. So Esav cannot destroy creation. Isn't that astounding? In one word. Now, we may say, wait a minute, you know, where do we see that Esav was such a Russia? I mean, the Medrash is the Medrash, fine. But where do you see that in the Chumash? How does God reveal to us the unbelievable sinning of Esau? And the answer is from the last word in the passage. Right? And it says that Esau ate. All ah, right, right. He sat down. He ate and so on. And then it says and Esau despised the firstborn status. Wow. What does that mean? Because like I said the firstborn status is an incredible holy task. And what does it say about Esau? That he despised it. What kind of gaiva, arrogance, hubris is that? So we automatically see the evil of Esau. That he actually despised the spiritual task of the firstborn. He wanted Olyam Hazer. I want this world. I'm not interested in spirituality or bringing God closer, right? So the Torah actually reveals the evil of Esau's. And why Yaakov said. Why he wanted to sale. You see. And that's why he wanted the sale. Not because he wanted to make money on, on Esav. Of course not. It's absurd. To my Yaakov Avinu. But Yaakov had to save the world. So by, by buying. The first right. The birthright. Of Esav. Which Esav sold him willingly. Esav no longer had the ability to do the Tikkun. It's astonishing, isn't it? He took away the ability of Esau to do the Tikkun by selling the birthright and now the Tikkun will only belong to Yaakov. So in a sense, Yaakov saved the entire world. Isn't that amazing? That's the story of what's going on in the sale of that birthright. It's amazing that people learn this over and over. They have no concept of what's really being said The Torah reveals the true, you know, incident in one or two words. It's amazing what the Torah does. You see, the Torah is very frugal, you see, with its ability to reveal the true meaning, you see. But this is really what happened. Very interesting concept. There you are. So therefore the Satan can no longer take from the holiness that, that the of brings down. Because of no longer has the ability of Tikkun. So this is really what happened, you see, because of the damage. So the that damage that Esau did, right, is the death of Avramovino for five years earlier, you see. And, and uh, therefore, uh, he did that, you see. Okay. That's the story of the birth sale of the birthright. Now, <clears throat> The next portion, we enter, is the blessings that Yitzchak gave, right, to what he wanted to do was give it to Esau, right? So he tells Esau, okay, I want you to get me, you know, great dinner, whatever, you know, because many times a person's blessing depends on, guess what, food, right? Because it's not the food or the materialism that the tzaddik wants, but when you eat food, you know, it does something to your physiology, right? So you feel good. And because you feel good, you have the, you know, the enthusiasm, the strength to give a person a blessing. Uh, anyway, so he wanted Esau to do that and give him the blessing. Now, what does that mean? What do you mean give of the blessing? If you give of the blessing, guess what? He will destroy creation. Now, he did not know of the sale. He did not know of that sale. You see, only Yaakov and Esav knew of that. Now, Esav did sin. I mean, Yitzchak knew that, right? So why would he give these blessings? And we will talk about what the blessings really were to Esav. Because Yitzchak knew what Esav really was. Not that what he was, a sinner. But he knew he sinned from time to time. Why? Because he knows what Esav's job is. Esav's job is an incredible struggle. Remember what I said last week? The Paneach Raza said that if Esav done his job, he would have been twice as great as Yaakov Avinu. Do you imagine that? How great he was? Why? Because you have any idea what it is to have a monumental Yetzirah and to struggle with that and to win? It's hard to believe how he even survived at all. You see, uh, so therefore Yitzchak knows that Esau has to struggle, and that he will sin at times. But he didn't know that Esau abandoned the whole concept of spirituality. He didn't know that. You see, <clears throat> a second idea was to give the blessings to Aesov, right? And that would be mechazek. that would strengthen Esau to continue doing the job, because he now has the blessings of Yitzchok. <clears throat> Now, the question is, what is the blessings really all about? So, what Yitzuk wanted to do is to permanently give of the job of the forerunner of Mashiach bin Yosef. Right. That's what he wanted. Because if you look at those blessings, they're all material. You know, you shall conquer other nations. You shall be over them and they shall serve you. Uh, these are not spiritual blessings. They are blessings given to a forerunner of Moshiach bin Yosef, that he will do his job, subdue evil, right, and bring an incredible tequan to the world. Because remember, Esau has the job of Moshiach bin Yosef, the forerunner, the same job, which is called Kfir Surah, right, to subdue evil and destroy it. So he wanted to give, he didn't know that Esau already had given away. Uh, so before he would die, he wanted to give Esau the permanence of the job of Moshiach bin Yosef which is to fight and contend with evil, which I, I said last week was Kafir's hurrah, right, to subdue evil. Uh, you see, and therefore, if you look at the blessings that Yitzchak gave ultimately uh, <coughs> to Yaakov, they're all material. They are material success, which is what Mashiach bin Yosef has to have to be able to subdue evil. You see? Now, God, of course, knows what happened, and he realized that Yitzhak doesn't really know the extent of the evil of Esau. So therefore, <clears throat> what God did is he blinded Yitzhak. Because we know, the Torah says, that the eyes of Yitzhak became dim, which means he basically became blind. Or whatever. So Yitzhak therefore would not see who's standing in front of him. Look, all of this was ordained. You see, that Esau cannot have the permanence of Mashiach Ben Yosef. He'll destroy the creation. Right? So what happens? Asif returns. <clears throat> right? Now, of course, we know Yaakov comes in. Right? He's taking a terrible risk. Because Yitzchak is not aware of this. You see? So it comes out that Yaakov is fooling Yitzchak. He's deceiving him. But it's not just he's deceiving him. Right? He's actually taking blessings which are intended for Esau, he's stealing them. You see, now why would Yaakov do that? Because he knows that if Yitzhak winds up blessing Esau, the creation is over. Because Esau is going to, again, have the power of Tikkun, and therefore the power of Kirchhoff, damage. He's going to wipe out creation, severely damage it. So Yaakov, of course, agreed that he has to take it. You see, So instead of telling Yitzchak, and that would have uh, involved a lot of problems, because Yitzchak loved Esau and so on, so he decides to agree with Rivka and to hide that, you see, from Yitzchak. So it comes out that Yaakov comes in, and Yitzchak gives him the blessings, which we know, right? Fine. Then what happens? Esau comes back, right? And he stands in front of Yitzchak and says, Okay, you know, do you have a blessing for me? alright, so Yitzchak says, what do you mean for you, who are you? I already gave them, because he thought he gave it to who? Esav, he says, what do you mean who I am? I am I am your firstborn, Esav and then the Torah says something which is amazing again, the hidden terminology of the Torah what happened when Yitzchak heard that he made the wrong choice? That he gave it to Yaakov and Esau was sitting in front of him. You see, what happened? Because he realized something which was terribly frightening. In fact, that it says, Yitzchok ke doilo admi'oid, That Yitzchok trembled, an unbelievable trembling. Now, we look at this and say, wait a minute. He just realized that Esau fooled him. so what should have been his emotion his emotion should have been incredible rage I was just made to look like a fool by Yaakov uh, Yaakov, right Yaakov Avinu right and he should have been enraged at Yaakov instead he was not enraged he was unbelievably frightened by Yechad Yitzchak Harod Egedoilo and Yitzchak trembled with an incredible, exceedingly great pachad fear. Why? Because he realized that had he given, then all of a sudden he realized that had he given the union of Mashiach bin Yosef to Esau, right? And that since God orchestrated all of this, it had to mean, and God did not tell him, because Yitzhak had incredible Ruch on or the, the fact that God did not tell him this meant that God did not want Esau, which meant that Esau wasn't a sinner. He was an unbelievable Russia, Evil. So he realized that if I had given this to Esau, he would have the power of Tikkun, and therefore the power of Kilkel, damage. Who knows what damage he could have done? You see? So he was not enraged. He thanked God for saving him. And he realized the damage that he almost did. Yitzchak almost did. And he had this unbelievable pachad Nero trembling. Could you imagine if you do an act, right, Ah, and you realize after you did the act that you just stopped the Mashiach from coming. You, single-handedly. What would you feel like? I mean, you'd be crushed. But you would have tremendous amount of of, uh, uh, fear because you realize that you just damaged creation. By now allowing the Mashiach to come. Well, that is exactly what Yitzchak felt. And the Torah says this, alludes to this with saying, and Yitzchak felt unbelievable fear and trembling. It's amazing how the Torah does this, where it reveals the essence of the story uh, in one phrase. It's, It's incredible. Anyway, now what do we have? So we have Esau standing in front of Yitzchak, crying. So he says to his father, maybe you have something left for me, you see. What was Esau's problem? Was it because uh, of the fact that he was made to be a fool, that Yaakov stole the brachas in order to save the creation, right? He should have been enraged at Yaakov, which later he was. And that's why he said, I want to kill the guy after my father dies. But it says that he cried. Why? It's a very important idea. Because Yitzhak not only wanted the material blessings. No, he loved his father. And he wanted his father to bless him. I mean, what do you do when you love somebody? Right? You want to take something which they will give you and cherish it. That's one of the reasons why he wanted the blessing. And that's why... Instead of being enraged, he cried. He cried. And that mitzvah, and that was a mitzvah, because he demonstrated an incredible mitzvah of Kibbut aim by loving his father and wanting his blessing. So that's tremendously mechabed, honors his father. You see, that mitzvah that Esav did, which I said last week, he was incredible in Kibutov. of that presented tremendous amount of difficulties from who? To Yaakov of Because he always had to contend the unbelievable kibbutz of aim on your father mother of, of Esau to Yitzchak. As we will see. You see. <clears throat> so now Yitz- Esau is crying, right? And what do you think, uh, you know, uh, and Yitzchak now understands the truth who Esau really is. You see. So what does is, what is Yitzchak do? And this is in many ways amazing. I mean, Yitzchak felt terrible. Not only because his son was a sinner, right? And that his son did not have the blessing. What Yitzchak felt is terrible. My son has no part in the Tikkun process. You have any idea what that is to and of? The Tikkun process is everything. There is no life without being involved in the Tikkun process. People don't understand, because it's not only rectifying creation, it's allowing God to be honored, to reveal the heavenly uh, majesty, you see, so Yitzhak felt terrible, so he does something which is unusual, he says, okay, I hear, so he composes himself, he says, okay, so he gives him a blessing, what's the blessing, that is wrong as Yaakov and his descendants, Right? will observe the mitzvahs. Right? They will have ascendancy over you. Uh, But if they sin, you will have ascendancy over them. And you can punish them. Right? So what did he do? Why would a father do that? Right? And have one child fight with the other guy. And not only that, but have one child persecute the other brother. And the answer is, because what Yitzchak did is phenomenal. Because he said, listen... Yaakov Avinu and his descendants have to do the tikum. That means the mitzvahs. But what happens if they don't do the tikum? Then they have to atone for their sins. And atonement through and suffering, is a great way of doing tshuva. But who's going to make? Who's going to persecute the Jews? Who's going to have the major job? So he gave that to Esau. There you are. He made Esav. You will be a great nation. And your fundamental job, right, is to persecute Yaakov and his descendants so they will do tshuva, you see, thereby making Esav part of the Tikkun process. But it's sort of like an indirect way. You see? I mean, think about it. It was a brilliant stroke of genius, what Yitzchak did, that he made Esav, right, the cause of Yaakov's tshuva, you see? And of course, we know the descendants of face of who they were, right? They were Edom. They were Rome. Christianity. And we know all the butchery and slaughter that Christianity and Rome has done to the Jewish people. The destruction of the temple. You see? But Yitzhak gave them that job. So, he at least would have the merit of restoring Yaakov to do tshuva. You see? The problem is, what's the problem then? The problem is that their intent, or Esau's intent, and his descendants, isn't to do, do the will of God. It's to benefit from the destruction of the Jewish people. And we see that from a whole Gemara in Avadezerah. You see? Where in the end of time, it's fascinating Gemara, Avadezerah, it says in the end of time, right? Edom, Esau, Rome, is going to come to God at the end of time in Judgment Day. And they say, you know, we realize what we did, but, you know, we did it because we wanted to help the Jews do the tikun, Which was Yitzhak's original intention. So God says to them, of course, what do you mean you wanted to help the Jews? Whatever you did was to benefit yourself, not the Jews. You see, you persecuted the Jews as much as you can. Ah, you built roads, and that's what they say. Well, we built roads, we did marketplaces. So God did that was all for yourself. But it's true what they did. That they did help the Jews because they did build civilizations which would have helped the Jews. But their Kavana, their intent was to destroy and their intent was only to do it for themselves. Therefore legitimately they have no, they have no legal right to the future world. But the, the Gemara continues and says, God said, okay, since indirectly you did benefit my people, right, I will give you one chance right? And I will give you one mitzvah called Sukkah, and let's see what you do. Anyway, they botched it. Without going into the whole Gemara, right, they botched it. And therefore, in many ways, they don't get the future world. Um, but the main idea is that Esau said, I did it for the Jews, which was Yitzchak's original intention to be part of the Tikkun process. You see. Although I do have to say that Goyim, the, 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 in certain sense, many of them do get the future world, right? Because they did indirectly help the Jews, especially if you're a Noachite, then you certainly get the future world, and so on, you know? So, but there's another reason why. Because the Rambam says, Maimonides says, right, that when the Jews sinned and the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, then God gave the job of doing the Tikkun, not Tikkun itself, but to glorify and magnify His name he gave it to the Goyim. And it's true. The Rambam says this. The Christians are the one that have talked about, you know, the Messiah, right? The Messiah about believing in God that there will be an end. Paganism doesn't deal with any of this. So they were assigned the task, you see, of promoting the honor of God. So for that, they will be rewarded. You see? So in a certain sense, Yitzchak, of course, did accomplish in two ways they have persecuted the Jews, even though it was for their own good, right? But also, they have spread the honor of God with the New Testament, you know? Because even though it's a terrible document, right? That bad mouth flanders, defames the Jews, it's terrible what that does. But in that sense, it also promotes God, even though it promotes somebody else, obviously. In any case, uh, so that's what Yitzchok did. He gave... Asaph again, the ability to be part of the tikum, but indirectly. You see? And that's what happened. So therefore, uh, after he gave the blessings to Asaph uh, so we now understand who Asaph really is. Uh, you see? And as I will say later on, therefore Asaph in the end does uh, allow the Jews to do tshuva and so on. But in any case, So he gives the blessings to Esau and that's what Yitzchok did. But now you really understand what Yitzchok was doing. It was incredible, a brilliant idea to save his son, you see. But the problem is, like I said, that's going to hang over the Jewish people. And that is the incredible observance of the mitzvah, of Kibbutov, of of Christianity, of Esau, of Edom, And we will see what the repercussions are later. But in any case, uh, Yitzhak now comes back and now he blesses Yaakov because he now realizes the mistake that he made. You see, now, what does all this mean? When he gives the blessings to Yaakov, right, what does all this mean? And the answer is a very important concept. And that is that there are four jobs to do. That's why there are four of us, patriarchs. So the problem is this, that Yaakov's job, right, was to bring down Kedusha, holiness. Esav's job was to fight the temptations of the Sultan, right, and destroy the Sultan, subdue him and destroy him, you see. The problem is if Esav, who is the fourth of, the fourth pillar, is now an incredible Russia, and now does not have the power of Tikkun, certainly not directly, who is going to take over the job of asaph Because somebody has to destroy the Sartre. Right? That's what it has to be. So what God did is amazing. <clears throat> what he did is he gave the job of asaph to Yaakov Avinu. You see? So Yaakov Avinu had to double up. Piggyback. So not only did Yaakov Avinu have the job of bringing down Kedusha, but he also had the job of subduing the evil of the Sutton by going into the field, he had to become the Isha there. You see? So that's what Yaakov did. He accepted the blessings which Yitzchak repeated to him, which meant that he now had the idea or the task of not only Mashiach ben David to bring down Kidusha, but also Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. And therefore, wait a minute. You have the job of Asaph, guess what? You can't stay home any longer and learn Torah, right? You need to go out into the Kripa. You need to go out into the world that is filled with sin. That is why Yitzchak Yaakov had to leave his home and go to Lovan, who is one of the arch enemies, who was one of the major, you know, savants of evil. And um, now you understand. And that's what it says. The Torah alludes to that by saying, Vayetze Yaakov, right? Mi He left Be'esheva. Vayetze and He went to Choron. So Rashi says, it, just, it should really say, right? And Yaakov went to Choron. We know he left, uh, obviously, Be'esheva, because that's where he was. Why is the Torah telling us that he left Beersheva, right? And he went to Choron? Because what the Torah is saying, and Rashi says this, right, that he left Beersheva to indicate that his reason for leaving Beersheva, right, is the reason why he had to go to Choron. You see? Because he became the ish there. He now had to go into the field in the presence of evil and remain righteous. See? So the Torah is saying by this Pasuk what the new job of Yaakov Avino is. Until now, he had the job of what? Of bringing down Kedusha. Now his job was to subdue evil by remaining righteous. Even though he's in the house of Lavan, right? He's an evil person. He's also in Choron, which is the world and the evil of the world. This is his new job. So imagine, Yaakov Avinu now has two jobs, right? So imagine having one of, and he's got two responsibilities, you see? And therefore, he winds up going to Choron, the house of Rovan, you see. And now we understand what happened, why the Pasch says that he left Be'esheva, because that's what caused him, because he received the blessings of Yitzchak, permanent of Mashiach Ben Yosef, to go to Choron, you see. Like I say, it's amazing how the Torah alludes to everything by using the, the, the words that have that illusion. You see, <clears throat> so what does Yaakov now do? He goes, he's about to enter Khan and he realizes, you know, I could have gone to HaMaria, right? We actually, where the Beis stood. I actually went, aw- uh, you know, uh, uh, n- uh, away from that place. So all of a sudden, God made a miracle, and he returned him to HaMaria, Maria, Right? And all of a sudden he has the ladder. The dream of the ladder. What's the dream of the ladder? Angels going up. And angels going down. You see. Right? That's what he dreamt. And God promises that he's going to protect them and so on. Why would he see angels going up and angels going down? I mean it's an incredibly prophetic vision. And the answer is. Because the angels were telling him. Yaakov you have a new job. How? Because there's two ways of serving God. One is to bring holiness into the creation through Torah and mitzvahs. And therefore those angels were going up the ladder. They were going up the ladder toward heaven, right? Because they wanted to bring holiness down by going up doing the mitzvahs and Torah. But then there are angels going down, right? Why? Because in order to do their word, there are some people that must go into what's called the Creeper. You've got to go into the Tumor, the pollution, the sinning, and remain righteous. See? That's why there are angels going up and angels going down. So they were telling our, uh, Yaakov, Avino, by the way, you now have a new job. You hmm. now need to go into, you know, in, down into the Creeper, into the evil world man of the field, and subdue the Sotan, because you now have the job of Asov. you see, because there has to be an of that does that job. And therefore that's your tikkun for the next years. But one more idea, and then I will stop. Ah, before Yaakov Avinu goes, he realizes, you know, I've been learning Torah, right? It, the blessings were given to Yaakov when he was 63 years old. It's, an old, it's really getting into middle age, even past that. And Yaakov Avino, all the Torah I learned was only to increase holiness. But do I really have enough Torah to protect me against the machinations of the Yitzhah horror? Right? I can't protect myself. I have to learn the Chochmah of character development where you are in the environment of evil. How to protect yourself how to you know how to deal with the, the, the machinations of the Sutton, you see so what he did is amazing he decided to go to the yeshiva of Shem V'eva before he went to Loven so he sat in that yeshiva for 14 years imagine and it says that he didn't sleep you know if he would be tired he just put his head down and go to sleep he did not sleep in a bed for 14 years Because he had to learn the Torah, right, of the Sultan. How to subdue, how to deal with the Sultan. Imagine, so he goes to Yeshiva for 14 years to learn the Torah of the Kripa, right? We don't even know what he learned there. It must have been been tremendous Kabbalistic concepts and so on. But that's where he went. Because when you're about to enter the Kripa, when you're about to enter the world of work, sinning, Unbelievable degradation, right? And debasement and so on. You have to be prepared. So that's what he did. He went to the Yeshiva of Shem to prepare himself for descending into the filth, the pollution, the sinning that the world beckoned to him. You see, there you are. I'll stop here. But look at the story that you're listening to. On one level, the story is all about, you know, two brothers fighting for the blessings of their father and what happened, who got them, and so on. But really, on another level, which is the covert level, the hidden level, you're learning a whole different story. That the whole story story between Yaakov and Esau, right, and Yitzchok, and so on, is all about the spiritual task that they really have. And the continuity of that task and what God does to make sure that they will do their tasks. You see, what you're really reading is a book about heaven more than you're reading a book about the earth. Even though it looks like you're reading an incredible, fascinating story. But you're really reading about heaven because that's really what it's all about. You know, people get involved in this world and they think, well, you know, everything is money, it's business and so on. This has nothing to do with eternal life. None of this. It's all about what is your mission? What is your spiritual mission? And how do you enhance that? That's what this world is all about. The tragedy is that mankind does not understand until it's too late. And not only that, not only do they not do a spiritual mission by remaining righteous, right, and holy, and so on, what they do is they sin terribly corrupt the world with their depravity and debasement and so on. What can you say? It's a terrible tragedy of what mankind does, you know. <clears throat> so therefore, so far we're up to Shiva Shemvear and Yaakov is about to ha- a journey to Ish-sodeh. you see, a man of the field, to the house of loven where he will be terribly tested. Any questions? Didn't you enjoy the story? Hello? Hi from me. Did everybody yeah. hear this?
1: Yep. Yes, the whole thing.
0: Great. Okay you know I hope you enjoyed the story and it's real interpretation
1: so, I wanted to ask you yes it's, it's now that we're in the month of Kislev does anything have to do with the fact that it always lands in this portion of the Padasha always
0: what always lands
1: the Rosh Chodesh Kislev, the entering of the month of Kislev.
0: Kislev is a very holy month.
1: Right, and we because, just ended off. of the, from, from
0: messianic month, right?
1: Right, and Esav gave away the messianic job, basically.
0: Yes, exactly. He lost it.
1: Right. So, what does Kislev right. have in store for us with connection to this parasha? Always.
0: Well, Kislav is a very holy time. Why? As when I give the Hanukkah shir, you know, you'll, you'll certainly understand. But Kislev is a restoration of a destroyed Bessam in terms of the contamination of what the Greeks did. And as I, you will see, Kislev is all about the restoration of the Messianic light, which I will elaborate on when I talk about Hanukkah. So therefore, Kislev is all about rededication and resurgence or renewal of the Messianic light. People do not realize that Hanukkah is all about the Mashiach. You see. Therefore, Kislev would be an incredible time to to have a serious uh, aspect of it for the Mashiach. do you think that
1: I have a question yeah so if um if the yeshiva of senda eber was teaching the Torah of the Kripa would that yes. explain why Rivka went kind of in secret she didn't she knew. She knew that, they, that that's one of the things that they
0: taught there. Well, that certainly could be, yes. Look, the Yeshiva of Shem Ve'eva wasn't the regular Yeshiva. Uh, you know, because you remember, the Torah was not given then. So we can ask, what in the world did they teach? Right? What were they teaching? What was the curriculum? Right? right. Of Yeshiva of Shem Ve'eva, You know? And obviously, they had a curriculum where Yaakov Avinu could spend 14 years you imagine going to yeshiva for 14 years? Obviously, they have to be able to address your needs. So we don't really know, you see, what they really taught. But what it was, it has to be the traditions, the Kabbalistic traditions and so on, that was handed down by Odomoritian, And that was handed down by Noach, Because they had, you see, the Torah doesn't talk much about the traditions the knowledge that they had, you see. But they clearly look, you know, a Sefer Rezirah Malach was given to Adam. The book that was written by an angel was given to Adam Rishin. I mean, Adam Rishon was phenomenal in terms of what he knew, you see. And what was denied him was just enough so he would be able to sin, you see. So they had the traditions of Adam and Noach. Right? And Avram Avinu. So we don't really know their scholarship, their Torah. But it has to have been awesome if Yaakov went to that yeshiva. I mean, could you imagine Yaakov Avinu coming to your yeshiva? Right? I mean, incredible. Mm -hmm. Because Yaakov Avinu already knew an incredible amount because his father was Yitzchak and his grandfather was Avram. So I'm sure they, he learned with them, right? That's why he was such an unbelievable person. The tragedy is that Esau had the same education and didn't benefit. Uh, so there's no question that they learned tremendously Kabbalistic concepts which was handed down from Adam Harishan. You see. And all of that will ultimately be revealed in the Messianic era. So don't be jealous of Yaakov you know. All of this will be revealed ultimately in the Messianic era. You know, all this Kabbalistic information and not only that, but the amount of Kabbalistic information that will be revealed, which is all about the inner workings of the spiritual world and the physical world, everything, you know, is beyond belief, the amount. And all of that will be revealed in the Messianic era. That's one of the reasons why the Messianic era has to be a long time because it does take time to go through all this so the messianic era can't be 40 years you know right now if the mashiach came tomorrow you still have 217 years to go to the end every minute is needed because there's so much Torah that the mashiach will teach you see and I'm not even talking about which is the future world right where well, the knowledge is almost infinite, you see. So that that's what it has to be.
1: So I have a question. You know how they talk about the clothes of uh, um, of Asav that that Yaakov wore. They they say that it, that it was the clothes really of Adam Harishon.
0: You know, right. Asav, by the way, the one who. Have, By the way, the one who had the the coat, right, uh, which was Kabbalistic and so on, was Nimrod. And when Esav Esav killed Nimrod on the day he came back to eat the pot of beans, lentils, right, he actually took the coat off Nimrod. So he had the coat, you see. And then eventually went back to Yaakov, and then of course went to Yosef and so on.
1: But what was the powers of this quote? I mean, if Adam, if I, it the quote that Hashem made, Adam HaRishon, but what, what was the powers of it? Well, we can... That the, animals, the animals were able to come, and it was easier for him to kill the animals. I, I know that right. part.
0: Yeah. So I'm saying yeah.
1: Kabbalistically... <clears throat> it, well,
0: look, I mean, I, I would imagine Kabbalistically, right, it exuded, right, incredible amount of divine energy. See, so it wasn't just your average coat. The, the, the uniform, because remember, the coat basically was a uniform, right? A uniform has power because it symbolizes what you represent. So that coat represented tremendous amount of spiritual power. You see, <clears throat> and so on, and and, uh, and and basically that's what it was. But that's uh, and that's what. Asa wanted from Nimrod, you see.
1: Where? Is it? The, the coat is buried? It's, it's hidden right we now? We
0: have no idea. Just like we have no idea where the Orin is, the, the ark. All of these things are buried. You see. Someday we'll know where they are. Obviously. So
1: Mashiach, but Mashiach doesn't <clears throat> need the coat, correct? It's not like it needs to
0: down. I can't hear you. What was that?
1: Mashiach. That he's going
0: to need that coat, or he's not going to need it? Uh, I'm not familiar if, uh, you know, what, how that coat will serve the purposes of the Mashiach. But it will certainly be found or revealed or whatever with all the other gifts of the Bais Amikdash. You know, all the other incredible spiritual vessels of the Bais Amikdash. Look, all of this will return to the Jewish people that we originally had But when we went into the Golas, guess what? When you go into Golas exile, not only do you go into exile, right? But all the spiritual tools, they go with you into exile, you see? And that's why we don't know where they are. We don't know where the Ark is, the Menorah, you know, all the vessels of the temple and so on. We don't know where they are. Why? Because that's the exile of the Kalem, of the vessels. It's not that they're hidden. They're in Golis. They also are in exile. Just like us. Everybody goes into exile. Because what is subdued is not an individual entity. What is subdued is the whole concept of spirituality. Being able to, you know, illuminate and shine. So the Jews are in exile. The Divine Presence is in exile. Eretz Israel is in exile. The Kalim of the Beis Hamikdash vessels, that's in exile. The coat's in exile. And the ark is in exile. And Jerusalem is in exile. Everybody's in exile. Because the exile is not on any individual. It's on the whole concept of spirituality not being able to express itself. You see? And being subdued by satanic forces. That's what's in Exile. You see, yeah. And I imagine one of the ways, by the way, of getting out of exile, because the one who keeps the Jews in exile is the prosecution of the Satan. Because he's always bringing up the sins. So therefore, what an interesting thought is, what happens if you can silence the Satan? And he can't prosecute. Then all of this stuff would be released. That's the redemption. Well, how do you silence the sutton? And the answer is, (laughs) Shmir is a Hara. Because if you don't talk Russian Hara, right, then he cannot prosecute you. In fact, the Jews got out of Egypt because they did not speak Russian Hara, you see. So, therefore, if you want to silence the sutton, right, and bring the redemption, you need to not speak Russian Hara. That's why. Because it is the prosecutions of the sutton that keeps everybody... and of course his prosecution is sinning... that keeps us in exile... and everything with us... you understand what I'm saying? it's a very important concept... that the exile is because of the Kitrugum, the, 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 the satanic prosecutions... and we have a way... just like it was done in Egypt... if you don't speak Russian horror... then you silence him... in fact like I once said... the Medrash says... that the reason why the Jews got out of Egypt... Is because they did not speak Russian Hara. Now it doesn't say why, but it says that three different times in the Medrash. In fact, when the Jews were leaving Egypt, right? They, they were. They, God says, or Moshe Rabbeinu says, stand back and watch the salvation of God, right? But only the atem you must be silent. So what Moshe was saying to them is, look. The reason why you're getting out is because you didn't talk about hara, So the sultan couldn't say, what do you mean, how can you let them out? They're not, they only there 210 years. They were supposed to be there 400 years. So it was the prosecutions of the Sutton <clears throat> that stopped them. So therefore, everybody stopped speaking about hara, and the Medrash doesn't say why. But that's how they got out, because there was no more prosecutions. And then all of a sudden, by the Yamsuf, right, the Dead Sea, Uh, not the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, all of a sudden, everybody's talking Russian horror. What? How could God do this to us? The Egyptians are going to kill us. Right? That's Russian horror against God. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to tell him, cut it out. Because what you can do is again re-invoke the Ketrugim, the prosecution to the Sultan, and that will bring everybody to Egypt. Because that's what keeps us in Egypt. Is the Russian horror that gives the power of the sultan to Makatreg. So, what I'm telling you is everything is because of the prosecution of the sultan. You don't realize how all encompassing that is. So, like I said, the exile of the Jew is the Jews, the Beis HaMikdash, the Divine Presence, the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash, the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash, right, and the Ark. Everything is because of the Russian uh, Horah. You see? So therefore, the answer is, you've got to close his mouth. And the way you do that, is Shemir solution:
1: It's crazy how Shemir HaLashon has, uh, you know, Lashon has such a big impact on our lives, yet so many people don't <coughs> know that.
0: Right. That is, you should know that's an incredible tragedy. You know, people think, ah, eh, so I badmouth the guy, big deal, I slander, Right. I mean, the world is filled with slander. Filled with it. Between newspapers, magazines, articles, right? And then the people, the neighbors, everybody's talking about everybody else. But they don't realize that this is the key to the prosecution of the sultan Which I give in my Lashon here, you know, the true power of speech, and so on. You know, they don't realize the monumental effect of speaking Russian horror, you see. Because it causes the the heavenly tribunal to examine and to invoke a judicial proceeding. It opens up the judicial process. People have no concept of how bad that is. You see. And if a person did not speak Russian horror, right, then it's incredibly difficult for the sultan to prosecute that person. And that's why it is such an incredible device to bring salvation to somebody that has tzoris, problems, tragedies, or whatever. And believe me, I'm not the only one saying this. Many could tell them say, don't talk Russian horror, because then you will have a blessed and peaceful life. So you're right. People don't realize the enormous severity of slandering and defaming. Look, that's why the Chavetz Chaim spent so many of his years writing the book of Chafetz Chaim, giving Shuram on Shemir HaLashem. You know, he's a father, in a certain sense, the father of the laws of Lashen Before him, there was no real book that organized and collected all the laws in one volume. He did it. Because he realized that Rosh and is why the Mashiach doesn't come, why the Beis Amigdash is not built, and why the Jews are in exile, and why the Jews are so persecuted by the nations of the world. They don't realize that, you see. And Rosh and is what destroyed the second Beis Amigdash, right? That's what destroyed it. Could you imagine a sin that people look at askance, which means Big deal. They don't realize that this is one of the most grievous sins in terms of its power, what it can do to everybody. And somebody who refrains from Lashonara, especially somebody who knows the laws of Lashonara, has an enormous advantage of escaping a great deal of travails of life. Anyway, you see,
1: how come How come it's like Hashem dimmed that light on the knowledge of it? With our Didn't do
0: what?
1: I feel like it's like, um, you know, there's like a veil. People don't even see it. They don't hear it. They don't know of it. I feel like Hashem, like, is, you know, it's not accessed as much. He's holding it back, all that. I mean, now more and more people are learning more about Lashon Hara. But yeah.
0: For the well, actually, actually, there are specific uh, Isuram prohibitions that are directed against Lashanara. But I imagine the real story is Miriam. Miriam. Yeah, of course. So, therefore, if somebody looks at Miriam and says, wait a minute, this is the sister of Marishanaren. She was a prophetess. I mean, she was a Nevea. I mean, you can't get greater than a Nevea, right? And so on. So, imagine being punished. She wasn't just punished. She was, they had to wait for her for seven days. Because God excommunicated her for seven days. you have any idea what kind of punishment that is? She had to stand outside, right, the Jewish uh, camp. It's incredible. For what? You think she committed murder or something like that? Uh, no. She badmouthed, in a certain sense, Moshe Rabbeinu. And she didn't do it, uh, you know, maliciously because she felt for his wife, you see, who said that, well, you know, my husband separated from me ever since he became a real prophet and so on, you see. So she committed a very light act of Russian horror, never intending to harm Moshe Abenu. And she was a Neviah, one of the greatest of the neviyim. She's the one who sang Oz Yashir, right? I mean, you have any idea, she's the one who got all the Jewish women to sing Isaiah. So, can we imagine, and the well, was because of her merit. And when she died, what happened to the well? Dried up. Right? Disappeared. So, could you imagine the reason why Christ's well can drink, is because of this woman. What does that tell you about her stature? Unbelievable. And therefore, she was, she was so punished, because she spoke in hara. I would imagine that story should send a, tr- a tremble <laughs> down anybody, everybody's spine because if God will not hesitate to punish Miriam imagine what he'll do to you you know, so you know and so on and besides the one who's very responsible for most people not knowing is the Sutton. he doesn't want people to speak li- not to speak Lashonara he needs to hear Lashonara in order to do what? in order to destroy the Jews to get them to sin, you see. That's what he needs. You see. Anyway, anything else?
1: You also revealed, like the incredible what was that? mercy. You also what? revealed. Can you hear me? You
0: yes, see that when again. you
1: were saying when you were saying. That Hashem didn't tell Yaakov. Yes. Um, didn't you mean? Didn't tell Yitzchak. Yitzchak. Right.
0: And why?
1: Like, didn't tell him. And when he had just realized that he gave the bracha to the wrong.
0: God, wrong. You know, to the right.
1: You revealed an incredible mercy that Hashem had to not to not want him to be. You know, to see his, his grandson.
0: Such a, you mean his son. Yitzchak's son his was Asaf. To be such a sinner. Because that would have brought him tremendous grief. Look, Yitzchak loved Asaf. I mean, the Torah says that. Yitzchak, I have You know, and we're not talking about an average guy. We're talking about an unbelievable, refined person, character, tzaddik. I mean, he's one of the others, you know. So he really loved his son. So as it is, he knew Esau would sin sometimes. But he figured, okay, listen. That's what happens when you fight the Eitzahara. He knew what Esau had. But he didn't know that Esau abandoned Judaism. He abandoned the whole spiritual journey of Avram Avinu. He didn't know that. And maybe that's why uh, Rivka never told him. Because the prophecy said Right? That he and Yaakov would never be equal. You see? Why? And the answer is because Esau would be an incredible sinner. You see? That's probably why she never told him. You see? And therefore he didn't really know the extent of the, of the, the, the depravity, the evil of Esau. But
1: don't you think that if he knew... The prophecy that Rivka got when she had, when she went, when they were, when she was just pregnant with them, and she went to Shem Inver and they told her what it meant, but she never relayed that to Yisroch. If Yisroch knew that, wouldn't he work extra harder to try to prevent that from happening? Especially if he had the <coughs> same job as him.
0: You're Isn't right, really- but you have to remember one thing: the people at Shemunehva were telling her a prophecy that this must happen even though Esau had free will now we don't know what that means in other words they didn't take away the free will of Esau but they did tell her what the future will, have, will hold and that prophecy will come true so it means that no matter what Yitzhak did it wouldn't help so he prays to God right that Esau should be a tzaddik you see Hey, look, you're not dealing with information or a crystal ball. You're dealing with navua, prophecy. You see,
1: navua could change, though. We've learned that before.
0: Yes, but if it says that somebody's going to be a Russia, right? Then that's God talking from His perspective. Got it. That's the problem. The navua was from God. You see. And it says, Lid Hashem. Right? She went to inquire of God. That means she was inquiring of a nevuah from God. And he's saying this. So it didn't stop the free will. But God knows what you're going to choose freely. Which is interesting. However that works. So had she told Yitzchak and he would have failed in his ability to change Esau. Imagine the grief he would have felt. So what she did is said Nothing. You know, let, it ha- let it happen what is happening, right? And hopefully, Yitzchak will pray. You know, maybe Asa would have been much worse. Who knows? Had Yitzchak not prayed for him. Because I'm sure that's what he did. Still doesn't help. See? So that's why, uh, probably why Yair Rivka never told Yitzchak. So he was unaware. of it. So God had to intercede and make sure, right that Yitzchuk is not going to give the permanence of Mashiach bin Yosef to Esau, which would have destroyed creation. You see? So
1: that was really the base of the, of the blessing.
0: Right. Because if you look at those brachas blessings, they are all material. They concern themselves with this world. They are not spiritual. Take a look at those blessings. And the one who needs those blessings is Mashiach bin Yosef so he can subdue the evil of the planet. That's why. You see? Because people have noted how come the blessings are not spiritual? You see? They're all physical. You see? And that's why. I mean, you can imagine that's what Yosef was. I mean, he was a forerunner to the Avodah, to the work of Mashiach bin Yosef. He was no ordinary person.
1: <coughs> so, so was Yaakov, Mashiach, Ben David?
0: Well, he had the Avodah, Ben David, correct. Yes. Which is called Hispashas Kedusha, the uh, proliferation or expansion of holiness. And that's Ben David. Right.
1: So, once he took on the blessing, he took on
0: both jobs? Right. That's what happened, which is what I talked about. Uh, he took on both jobs. Because you need a fourth of. Because somebody has to do the job of going out into the evil. I pointed the difference, out the difference between Yitzchak and Esau. And therefore God had to give it, it's called a contingency plan. So he gave it to Yaakov. But the fascinating aspect, as we will see in the continuation of the story, is what did Yaakov do? Can a person really do two jobs? Because they require different characteristics. And we're going to talk about that. How this concept, of what Yaakov did with the second job, how it changes the whole gracious. You see? Which you'll understand. It answers so many questions because this is the real story. It's a story in heaven more than it is a story on earth. And you should know one thing. That is everybody's story. We don't realize our real story is in heaven who we are, what our mission is, what our aspect of creation that we have to do the Tikkun for, you see, and what our reward will be, this is all heaven. This is Olyam Habo. Except we have to go through the motions in this world. But think about it. If you compare Olyam Habo, which is eternal, which means never-ending, to Olyam Haze, which is not more than 6,000 years, I ask you, which one seems more important? Right? You talk about a time that the world, that existence will never end. That We cannot even imagine what it means it will never end. Right? It's eternal. It never ends. That means after 400 billion years, right, to go, after the world, Ulam Haba passes 400 billion years, That's a drop in the bucket because it never ends. So even 400 billion years is nothing. So I ask you, if that's the case, so which is the significant, what is more important? What happens in heaven to order everything, and to arrange everything, or what we think happens on earth? You know, oh, the guy invested in the stock market. Who cares? That market is only as long as you're alive, the wealth of that stock or whatever. It's what you do with the money. People make such a tremendous mistake. They don't realize, you know, you only have one lifetime to do this, to gain an eternity. You know, and how long is all this money and wealth gonna do you, you see? That's the tragedy, is that we look at this world as the only world. But when you compare it to the future world, which is eternal, never ending. So of course, the main actions is what happens in heaven. You see? So this world is really a cloak for the real world of Ibn Abu. And what I'm trying to show you is this whole story is all spiritual. That happened to talk about two people. But it's all spiritual. But the Tikkun process, Sheikh Ben David, and Sheikh Ben Yosef, to subdue and destroy the satan, you see? And then all about the blessings and man's choice. These are all issues of heaven. Really. But the beauty is, and the astonishing concept, is how God hides everything. And in one or two words, he can reveal the real story with only one word. It's like kayoim, as this day. You see? Well, why would he write? And of despised the uh, birthright. Because he had to show why Yaakov did this. It wasn't because Yaakov was interested in money. But God does it in such an incredibly elegant and, uh, and subtle way. The problem is we've got to figure this out. You see? But when you do figure it out, it will give you unbelievable pleasure that you actually know what the Chumash is alluding to at least on a certain level. You see? What can I tell you? To know the real story of Reishas and the whole Chumash will give you an unbelievable pleasure to know the real deal, as they say.